Well, if you missed the memo, the season's already 10% over. If you sneezed, well, first of all, get six feet away from me. And next, you didn't even know that the season is 10% over. And this is the time we would be typically talking about potential trades and the season being like two-thirds of the way over. No, nothing is normal at this point. And as if you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you know that we're embracing the chaos. It's the Selby is Godcast with TJ Zuppi and Zach Meisel. What is up, buddy? <laughs> yeah, the season's 10% over for the Indians and most other teams or... For the Marlins and maybe the Phillies, it's 100% over or only 5% over. I mean, this is just, what a mess. Like, you're going to get to the end of the season and have some teams played 60 games, some teams played 25, some teams had to use, like, 19-year-olds. Uh, this is just bizarre. But, all right, let's embrace the chaos. Yeah, I saw the Marlins signed the switch pitcher to a minor league deal. That's just because he has two arms, right? He can go out there and throw 50 pitches with the right arm, 50 pitches with the left arm. It's like getting two whole pitchers onto your roster. Cause we're not, we're not talking about uh, so much matchup oriented baseball anymore with the three batter minimum. So now it's just go out there and log as many innings as you can with both of those arms. <laughs> it is actually a really smart idea. I don't know if it works that way, but <laughs> Oh my um, God. Yeah, this is this is a mess. I mean, it's it's interesting because, you know, when all the Marlins stuff went down at the beginning of the week, look, I, I had come around as we've talked about, and I said, I'm here for this. Let's let's dive head first. Let's embrace this. Let's just understand what it is because it's very different than any other season. But let's have fun with it and let's treat it like a normal season and. And, you know, crown a champion and enjoy the playoff chase and, and everything that goes along with it. Um, and, and I thought the opening weekend was fun. Like, it was nice to see baseball that mattered. It was nice to see players, like, getting pumped up or, or frustrated when things went their way or didn't go their way. And then you get to Monday and everything with the Marlins and the Phillies and, like, you know, the Phillies week was going to be they didn't play until the weekend, and then we're going to host the Blue Jays, but the Blue Jays would be the home team because they don't even know. I mean, they're, they're playing in Buffalo at some point. Like, there's just so much chaos going on that it was like, you know what? Not that you feel guilty, but it's like this feels a little weird treating this as normal and watching the Indians and White Sox play a doubleheader while all this other stuff is going on and there's so much uncertainty. Like, it's just, it's so odd. And because it's all the East that's being affected, and because it's a regional schedule, like, the teams in the Central and the teams in the West are basically just plugging their ears and saying, la, 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 la. Like, we're going to keep going on with our season, and uh, hopefully you guys get your shit figured out. It's just, it's so weird. I mean, like, we're, everyone's pissed about Brad Hand and blowing, and, and the Marlins and Phillies are like, we wish we had a closer controversy. <laughs> Yeah, that's the weird thing, because I, I was going to make a joke that, hey, we can actually talk baseball for once, because we, ha we have games that count and mini crises, crisis, 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 crises, there we go. It's, an, uh, it's a word. Uh, going on in the Indians bullpen, I mean, we haven't had to speak English for a while, you know, just pray the game was actually going to happen, and, and now there are mini fires to put out within the Indians bullpen, you don't know if that's a something you truly have to worry about the Indian starting rotation is just unreal uh, I just went went ahead back and, and deleted any 
portion of us talking negatively about the the rotation in our last podcast that never happened uh just completely it's it's gone it's edited out um but that I mean that has been truly fun to watch the first turn uh plus one through the rotation and and, and all these things that we would normally just be excited to dig into and you don't even know with what level of excitement or 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 just fear or you don't know how much to apply to anything because there's so much going on bigger not i'm not even talking about giant world problems i just mean sport problems that i don't know that are going to get remedied i don't know if, if there's a good solution to any of this if you wanted to play a season there was a real legitimate chance that you were going to run into issues like this and i would love to shake a finger at major league baseball and say you should have had a plan for all this but god i don't what's the plan for anything right now i don't know how you plan for a lot of stuff until you you just find out okay this is a new thing that we're going to have to worry about now how do we tackle it unfortunately it just doesn't seem like they're very proactive out on that front right now yeah and i don't want to spend an entire podcast talking about protocols and safety guidelines and revisionist history i i do think it would have been a lot more difficult to make a bubble concept work with thousands of people in baseball because think about how many more players there are how many more players there would have been to cover a whole season this isn't like the nba where it's 22 teams you know 15 players per team and when teams get knocked out i assume they're going home so it's different and just because the nba works doesn't mean mlb would have worked now saying that that doesn't mean the current setup is the best scenario and that they haven't made mistakes this is far from perfect and there was Always going to be a ton of risk involved. Um, I just I hope it can work because otherwise it, it makes it you know it makes it seem really stupid <laughs> that we're sitting here like marveling at Zach Plesac and the Indians rotation and it's like well like it's there's a non-zero chance that the season just gets canceled next week you know like it's just it's it's so weird to have everything going on at once and trying to pretend like. You know, this is all normal and everything's okay. And, you know, like like even looking ahead at the Indian schedule and thinking like, well, if they can win this game and this guy might pitch on this day. And it's like, man, like baseball doesn't even know what like a third of its teams are going to be doing in three days. Um, so it's just it's so strange. Yeah, I mean, it was already starting to seem surreal when the Blue Jays didn't even know where they were going to be playing games and the season had already begun. It's like, how are you playing for, for any of this? And I know your average fan doesn't really care about this, but imagine covering the Blue Jays. Now, where do, where do I go? Do I have a job? Do I travel with this team to go wherever they end up? Like, how does this work for me? It's just so many lives were impacted on something that wasn't even uh, related to, to anything COVID as of yet. And, and now the Marlins are in this situation. The Phillies are in this situation. Teams don't know what they're doing. It's a lot of craziness, and it does make any hiccups within the bullpen seem rather minute at this point. But we're an Indian-centric podcast, and that's what we talk about, buddy. So that's what we're here to discuss. Brad Hand, in or out, as the closer, you're up. Jesus. Um, This would be a much, much simpler decision if they had obvious replacement candidates you know the the only guy who intrigues me enough to say yes to that is 
is Karinchek, but I like him better not pigeonholed to the ninth inning. So uh, there's a few things here. Number one, it's 2020, and I'm still seeing people say, you don't bring your closer in in a tie game in the ninth inning. It's just a different feeling. Okay, first of all, shut up. Second of all, if if you make Karinchek the closer tomorrow and it's 0-0 in the ninth inning, don't you want to go to your best pitcher? And if your best pitcher is Karinchek, but he has the label of closer, you're not going to turn to him? Like, come on. This is like the most antiquated, stupid thinking, and I'm still seeing it on my timeline and I'm hearing it on radio shows. And I'm like, come on. Like, can we stop? Like, the labels don't matter. Um, so, <laughs> like, I, like, like when you just put the closer label on a guy, wasn't a guy successful in another role before he was anointed right. and elevated to closer role? So, we're, we're are are guys just born to be closers? Did they come out? <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Closer? That's the thing. So, so people, <laughs> if people want to Karen check last night in that zero zero game in the ninth. But now they want hand out of the closer role, and they want Karen Check to be the closer. So you would no longer want Karen Check pitching that ninth inning in a score scoreless tie. Like, <laughs> or maybe it's D, to the, the DJ of the manager. Meme, you played yourself. <laughs> just just before hand comes out of the bullpen in a tie game, you just say, "Hey, hand, you've been removed from the closer's role. Now get out there and hold this tie game." He gets yeah. out again, and you're like, "Hey, you're reinstalled. You're back as the closer. Good job." Right. <laughs> it's just the dumbest argument. Oh, I still see it from media members, and I'm like, hey, what are you doing? Anyway, so I, I I don't know. I mean, I you look and like the velocity's down. Um, I think the there's arm slot problems which are giving me flashbacks to Corey Kluber. Um, I just think there comes a time when you have so much wear and tear, and he made a shit ton of appearances for a few years there. Even before he got to Cleveland, you know, it's, it's, I'm not saying he can't rediscover what made him really successful, but like, what, how many examples are there of relievers who just, you know, not that they fall off a cliff, but they, they suffer some major regression and then like, you usually don't just get it back. I don't think he's going to start throwing 94, 95 again. I don't, so uh, he's got to figure out how to be successful with what he has. The problem is it's a 60 game season. You've already played 10% of your season, and you can't just work out the kinks as you go. There's not enough time for trial and error. Now, that said, let me contradict myself because there aren't very many trustworthy options in that bullpen. So I probably still trust him more than, I don't know, Simber, Maton, like most of the guys. I'm intrigued by Karinchek and Cam Hill. But they haven't proven it over an extended period of time. So, you know, there's a little bit of lack of trustworthiness just from their youth. And I know what Nick Wickren and Ali Perez are, and I like them in certain situations. But I also know they're not going to overpower anybody. So I don't want to rely on them too heavily. So it's, it's kind of a shitty situation. You know, this is a long answer, and I want to hear what you think about all this. But the, the biggest thing to me is the fact that the playoff expansion was approved changes everything. The bullpen we have said it was always going to be the biggest question mark and it's played out that way so far. But the fact that there are going to be 16 teams instead of 10, you don't have to be concerned in late September and think, you know, oh man, what do we do here? Do we just throw Plutko in the rotation and put Plesak or Carrasco in the bullpen to help us out? Like 
you can just do that in the playoffs. And you only need three or four starters once you get to October. And you can put one of those guys or two of those guys in the bullpen, help cover your, your, wart, your warts out there, and then it's not as big of an issue. You know, if there's only 10 teams, you know, it was going to be a, a dogfight to get there. Now, like, everybody and their grandmother is going to make the playoffs. So it, that'll help. But this is still something they need to get sorted out, and you have to do it quickly because, I mean, it's almost August. Yeah, I think I mean not even just from from this perspective, but even what we were talking about before with players or teams not knowing if they're playing and when they're playing, the expanded playoffs takes care of a little bit of that concern in my mind. Um, whereas if if this is a situation where it's a little bit more exclusive, then all of these stoppages for players and guys getting off their rhythms, I mean, it could have a major impact. And not that it's not going to, but at least you're mitigating that a bit by expanding the playoffs. I, I, I think it helps make all of this settle down a bit. Um, while it would be fun to just have that furious 60-game, you know, rip off whatever you got to do to try to get into the playoffs, I think that would be fun. But just in this environment, it's not fair. It's not fair to these teams to have to, to go about uh, the normal sort of process that would get you to the postseason. So I am glad that they expanded playoffs. I, I am actually enjoying the expanded rosters too, by the way, right now. I th- kind of wish they would keep it. Um, and not as far as pitchers go, but I like the, the bigger benches. I, I like the way that Tito's been able to mix and match, and um, some of it's because they've had double headers and they've had some weird you know, days off mixed in that they weren't supposed to have, and nothing has been uh, perfect for them either. Uh, but I kind of like the, the additional strategy you can bring in and, and you know defensive replacements, pinch hitting. You can do some different things when you have an expanded bench. I don't mind it so much. I mean, I've talked about that in September – People don't like it because it means that you have more pitchers and that means more stoppage in the middle of innings. But as far as expanded, expanded benches go, I kind of like it. I wish this was something that was, was normal. As far as getting back to hand, though, it's funny. If you, actually, if you look at his performance, last night he gave up one hit, and it was a full-on meltdown. He gets charged with, what, four runs? I think three of them were earned. Some of it, well, a lot of it was his fault as far as just some <laughs> erratic throws around the strike zone, hitting guys, just not commanding as well as he should have. Some of it was not his fault. Um, but if you looked just at the performance, you probably wouldn't be arguing for getting the guy out of the closer role, just based on the way he's thrown in the last couple of games. What it is, is it's a bleed over from the second half of last year. It is the velocity. It's the fact that you know the slider doesn't look like it, look like it has as much bike, bite. It's not getting as many swings and misses. Guys just don't look foolish up there. Um, so while he's able to still get outs because he's a, a veteran pitcher that's been doing this for a while, it just doesn't look like that lethal one, two, three lockdown guy. And even when he loads the bases, you know, before we've seen him have games like that, and you think, well, he's got a lot of swing and miss. He can get out of a situation like this. Now it's like, I don't know if that that is truly the case. I don't know that you have to rush to say, you know, this guy's in or this guy's out. And someone hit us up last night and said, you know, is it time to hit the panic button? Well, I mean, panic button is when you your your hopes are tied to one guy and you just have to keep running him out there. I don't know that you have to just keep running him out there in these sort of situations. It's a weird season already. You're already doing some unconventional stuff. So why not just let the matchups dictate where you use a guy? And mm-hmm. if uh, – if a guy is rolling into the ninth inning, then let him keep pitching. If it's a lot of right-handers up there, then 
leave a leave a righty on the mound. Or if you're going to have a lot of lefties up there, go to Brad Hand. I, I think this is a year where you don't have to necessarily declare, you know, this guy's been removed from the closer role. I think you could just stand behind. No, this is a weird season, and we're going to use guys a little bit unconventional. And in a long season, having roles helps, I think, from a mindset standpoint, for those pitchers to kind of know when they're going to be used. Um, and over a full 162-game grind, I think that has its benefits to just sort of have roles and guys know and have a familiarity of where they're pitching. But in this sort of season, nothing is conventional. So just go go with what your gut says and what the numbers say and what matchups say. Throw all that into a, a hopper, see what comes out. And I don't think it necessarily has to be one guy tied to the ninth inning. I completely agree. And I Tito didn't really understand what I was trying to ask last night. But he had Simber warming before the ninth inning. Simber was up beforehand. And Hand came in and was facing righty, 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 righty. Like, it would have made sense for Simber, too. Simber induces weak contact. It's hard to hit a home run off him. Like, I would be – it would make sense if you put him in in a scoreless tie in the ninth. I know the results haven't always been there, and he makes a lot of fans nervous. But, I mean, Brett Hand has done that a lot lately, too. So – um, Tito thought I was asking something about Phil Maton. I don't, I don't know why he thought that, but, um, so we didn't really get a good answer, but maybe it's because you're, you're on a screen with six other people and no one can have a normal conversation. Maybe that's yeah. why it's bizarre, but I, I, it's just not, it's, it's a weird season you don't have time for trial and error. Like, normally, this was 162 games. Like, I don't think the Indians would even consider pulling hand out of the ninth inning role. I think Karen Check would be pitching, like, the sixth inning of an 8-1 to one game. Cam Hill never would have gotten the chance to record a save in his second career appearance. I mean, he wouldn't have even made the roster. I think they would have tested out Hunter Wood and James Hoyt. Um but you are seeing things you normally don't. I think you can say it about the position player side, too. They've had more leeway with Bradley Zimmer and Daniel Johnson than I think they normally would. So it's, it's forced them to maybe be more creative, be more, I don't know, current and modern instead of going by the old kind of standards that teams have operated by for a long time. So that's been refreshing. Um, but yeah, you, you, they need, they would benefit from just going by the matchups, going by whatever makes the most sense in that moment and not just relying on traditional roles because there isn't anyone talented and trustworthy enough yet to demand preferential treatment. Um, and even Karen check, like who, I don't think people are going to get hits off him. But he's got it. Like, we had the whole experience his last outing when he struck out the side, but also walked a guy, threw a wild pitch, um, you know, dropped some F-bombs. I don't know if he chewed on his glove in that outing, but, you know, you never know what's yeah, going to happen. You're always totally going to be Totally unsanitary. Yeah. Don't know where that glove's been. But also, yeah. I mean, you know, we can spend tons of time criticizing the bullpen, and, like, we should – definitely talk about the rotation because it's been incredible and the fact that these guys are built up already to six seven please act those eight innings it minimizes the need for you to rely on that bullpen 
Yeah. I mean, a lot of credit to them for even being ready in this position to, to be capable of doing that. Um, I know you could, you could shit talk other organizations. I mean, we don't know what other pitchers were doing and we're just going based on what the Indians pitchers have said and how they've been able to pitch. We don't know exactly what everyone was doing during this stoppage. So I'll just focus on, on Indians pitchers and say they did a tremendous job to be in a position where they could look like this is actually July when they're pitching in their first start of the regular season to be able to go as deep as they are in games, as sharp as they've been. I mean, Clevenger is the guy that comes in and you know, we, we can talk the world of and we've seen how he's elevated himself to uh, pitching at an ace level type status. And he's the, he's the guy that only struck out six. What's wrong, dude. <laughs> what's, we, you know, I got to got to work on that plant foot or pick up the velocity or, or what's going on because everyone else is outworking you right now, which probably is a beneficial thing because we know how much he doesn't like dragging behind and it's probably going to kick himself in the ass to work even harder. Um, but it, it has been a, a lot of fun to watch them go one trip through the rotation. We talked in this last podcast about, you know, there was concerns there and not concerns are not necessarily that you think something bad is going to happen, but there were some potential red flags there. Clevenger was one we talked about, you know, the, is the velocity going to be there? Is it going to be the same Clevenger we saw, uh, you know, for the last couple of years, or is that plant knee going to be something that doesn't allow him to be quite as effective the Carrasco thing is is something that's going to be at least a little bit of something to watch until it's not. And I don't know if that we're, we're quite out of the woods yet as far as that goes. But, God, he looked tremendous in his first outing. I mean, you can't I, – I, if you told me what's one thing you, you didn't like about the way they threw or what's something that you're concerned about moving – but nothing. I, I, I can't imagine them pitching any better than they did the first six <laughs> through the rotation. Six guys just coming out and just – just, just looking phenomenal. That's, that's and you incredible. can't, you can't use the excuse that it was the Royals because I think the White Sox probably have a top, yeah, seven lineup in baseball, um, and we're at full strength on Wednesday night with Eloy Jimenez back in the lineup, and Zach Plesac, who is the Indians' number five, five and a half starter. <laughs> I mean, he looks like a Cy Young winner. Um, yeah, it's. That's a good problem to have. And again, you get to October, take one or two of those guys, move them to the pen, and all of a sudden, you know, it's a little more difficult to find the weaknesses on the roster. And this, of course, they're not going to carry a the starters ERA is like 185. That's not going to last over 60 games. But the fact that they are starting out like this when they aren't, you know, they're going to have a much better feel for what's working and what's not a month from now. They're going to have, you know, they're going to not tire as much when they get to 85 pitches a month from now. So there's, there's a lot of potential there. And you think about the fact that three of those guys are 25 years old. Um, you know, three of them, four of them are under team control for another five, six years. Like that's, that's the foundation. That's how you do it, and it's uh, it's it's amazing what it can do. I think people were thinking, you know, the Indians are like a solid team. I think everyone pretty much said they'd finish second. I think some people thought they'd finish third in the division this year. They'd have, you know, a winning record, I don't know, 32, 33, 34 wins. And then you go one turn through the rotation. I know Anthony Lima, everything he says is dripping in sarcasm, but he was on a <laughs> a mission on Wednesday morning to – 
tell everybody the Indians are going to the World Series. And I just think it, it everyone just, it opened everyone's eyes. Like, this team is still legitimate. So, um, that's what starting pitching can do. Because how many yeah. times, the Indians play 60 games this year. How many of those games are they going to go in not having the advantage in the starting pitching matchup? I mean, it's probably going to be less than 10. So, it's, that's... Very few teams can say that, and it just it gives you a head start every night. Well, we talked about and try to kick it around a little bit during this this shutdown period. Sometimes pitching can just be unsexy to discuss because it's not the same guy every single night. And when you when you go out there with a, a top ten, top five lineup, I feel like it gets a little bit easier to puff out your chest about your team and feel like they have fewer holes than when they have holes in the, the starting rotation. Whereas when it's the other way around and you might have a good, you know, serviceable lineup and, and a lot of good starting pitching, it's tough to, it's tough to look at that team and not feel worse about it somehow. And I don't know why that is. Maybe it is just because starters don't pitch the same guy isn't pitching every single day. So you're relying on a new guy every night to be, to be on it. But it, I think that's part of what gets easy to overlook with this organization as they just churn out pitchers left and right because you're looking at the same lineup every single night. You see a lot of the same holes or, you know, now the Indians are back to not knowing what they're going to get offensively out of their catchers with mm-hmm. Roberto Perez down. And that's a legitimate concern right now. Um, and then you look at, across the way at the Twins and the Twins just hit everything in sight and you can feel like they are more of a powerhouse team because you see them get after it every night and just put up some ridiculous offensive numbers. And it gets probably easier to just sweep the solid starting pitching under the rug. Cause at the same time, the offense might be having a game like they had in the finale against Chicago where they just can't get anything pushed across. And it feels like a, an eternal struggle, but um, uh, to be in the position where they're at with the rotation, again, credit to them for being prepared to, uh, to, to be able to do that coming out of the gate and credit to, you know, the, the coaches and the analytics staff, I think for pounding it into their heads that just get out there and throw their best stuff. That's one of the, the, the things that really stuck out for me, this, this first turn through the rotation is how much guys are just relying on their best pitches. I mean, police last year, the slider was good, but he only threw it like 18, 19% of the time. He just threw the hell out of that thing yesterday. And white Sox hitters didn't have a prayer. Um, you know, it's the days of establish the fastball and use your secondary <laughs> stuff secondary. That's that's not that's not the case anymore, especially for the Indians these past several years and especially coming out of the gate. It's just, you know, if you want to go first pitch slider, do it. If you want to go three one slider, do it. You want to throw sliders like it's sliders actual birthday, then do it. And so it's it's been fun to watch that kind of uh, evolution, not just here over the, the first six games, but just over the past several years with the Indians just stressing. Go out there and throw your best stuff as best as you can and as often as possible. So here's a fun little stat for you. Well, first of all, who do you think of the six who had the best start in your mind? Not from a statistical standpoint, but just a, just a basic, you watched these starts, who, uh, who I had would, the best start? I mean... It's it's easy to say a guy like Plesak because you're not expecting him to pitch like he did. But I'll say Bieber coming out of the gate, just embracing all the qualities that that it takes to be a true ace of a staff. I mean, there are guys that pitch like aces, 
but don't necessarily carry themselves like one uh, or don't lead like one. And Bieber just has a, he's a total package and went out and proved that on in the opener. So Zach Plesak, after his start, eight scoreless innings, no walks, 11 strikeouts, three hits allowed. His FIP is 0.33, which is um, just microscopic and obviously impossible to maintain over the course of even a shortened season. But the 0.33, which just looks out of place on a baseball reference page because no one ever does that, that is only the third lowest among the Indians' six starters. Carlos Carrasco. I'm only impressed when someone carries a negative fifth. That's the only time so I ever get. Carlos Carrasco is 0.25. Shane Bieber, negative 0.59. <laughs> How does that even work? How is that possible? That's, that's bananas. That is absolutely bananas. And yes, part of it, it, it you can't avoid that. They Indians played the Royals in the first three games, and the Royals weren't even at full strength. So that's a thing. Uh, but as you said, they came out and continue to do a lot of the same things against the White Sox. And this is already rotation that we thought was going to be really good, if just not great with the guys that were leading the charge. And they were just on it right out of the, right out of the shoot. That was incredible. Really enjoyable baseball to watch those guys pitch. Anything else uh, catch your attention? Position player side, perhaps. Jose Ramirez. Yeah. It it is such, it's such a pleasure to watch him crush inside fastballs again just hitting with authority so much last year and and even kind of confirmed through his agent that he was trying to place the ball all around the infield and maybe the shift was getting to him that dude is just back out to just punishing everything thrown in his direction and that is a lot of fun to watch yeah i look at the lineup and i think like okay i mean and again this is ridiculous because we're analyzing a six game sample but on the other hand, that's 10, 10% of the season. It is 10% of the season. I mean, this, <laughs> this stuff matters. But, like, the offense has not been very good. Jose no. Ramirez has been incredible. Cesar Hernandez has been, like, the dream leadoff hitter so far, which we said that happened. This lineup had a ton of potential. But you've gotten nothing from Fran Mill Reyes. You've gotten nothing from Francisco Lindor. You've gotten basically one hit that mattered from Oscar Mercado. You know, Luplo doesn't have a hit yet. Um, the catching position has been rough. So, like, I, I would think, you know, once regression rears its head, if it even will in the span of two months, um, I still think this off this lineup is fine. It's going to be fine. You know, I think you can get more out of Carlos Santana. Certainly Lindor and Reyes should get going. Yeah. Domingo Santana has seemed pretty good. It's, it's Again, it's 10 at-bats. But, like, <laughs> um, I'm, I guess I'm so conditioned to – that role, whether it's Carlos Gonzalez or Juan Uribe or Hanley Ramirez, just fizzling out of the gate. Um, that it even he doesn't Domingo look, Santana he doesn't having look, a few hits and a few walks has been like kind of nice. He doesn't look old and washed up, I think is what you're saying. Yeah, it and he should look be. He's like, 27. Right, exactly. It doesn't look like he has nothing left in the tank. Um, and it's not like, I mean, they've thrown some putrid defensive outfields out there in a couple of instances and nothing has looked, you know, just so brutally bad that you question anyone's sanity if they can move forward with it. So that's fine. It was cool to see Bradley Zimmer come up and hit his first home run since uh, the Reagan administration. That was 
uh, pretty cool for for him personally. We know how how hard he has worked to get back and how many setbacks and just different things that have stood in his way. So it was good from uh, from that standpoint to see him uh, sort of run with a little bit of uh, an opportunity here. You know, we we question whether he could even get the at bats coming out of the gate, but uh, through just the way this game is, opportunities are there, and uh, he's been he's been all right so far. Uh, I'd like to see some more Daniel Johnson. Now he's been back and forth a couple of times just because mm-hmm. of injury, but you know he he looks intriguing, and I we continue to. To, at least for me, I would like to see him get some more at-bats. I, I feel like there's enough pieces here where you can find some answers, at least over 60 games. There are five guys in this lineup that I don't question their ability to do their jobs at the top fifth of this lineup or uh, you know, top five guys in the lineup. And then beyond that, I think they can find two or three other guys every once in a while to contribute and come through and keep this offense at least better than average. Yeah, if Domingo Santana is something of a threat hitting seventh, then to find, I mean, look, especially with Roberto Perez sidelined, I'm not expecting much of anything from the catchers. Um, but the outfield spots with Mercado and Zimmer and Daniel Johnson and, um, you know, I, and Jordan Luplo, like that's, I think you can get enough production from them. I, I really don't worry about the lineup too much. They're going to have nights where, like, Giolito just seems to own them. For whatever reason, the Indians cannot adjust to the fastball changeup combination there. Um, they're going to have nights like that, and every team does. Um, but for the most part, I would expect this offense to, to fare perfectly fine over the course of the season um, and, and do enough that if you are still getting exceptional starting pitching, they should win plenty of games. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's a great offense, but I don't think it's an offense that that is going to lose you a lot of games. It feels like a weird way to phrase it. Offense I mean, they seem like games. they like league average, slightly better than league average. So that's yeah, I think average. they've. I think they've got a baseline of league average, and you've got stars there. Right. Jose Ramirez is doing what he's doing, and then Lindor wakes up and clubs a three, a couple more three run home runs, then. I think they'll be fine offensively, fine enough to be in a position where their starting pitching is doing anything close to what they did the first turn through. You're not going to be too upset about it. It's just, you know, can the bullpen hold down enough close games where it's not going to be something where you're ripping your hair out 40 games in? I I don't know. I can't guarantee that. That's why they play the games. And it's going to be fun watching them play the Twins, um, who are good. Let's give them credit. But I think ten meetings between these teams will be dogfights. And oh, I agree. I think the teams are pretty. I don't know. It's so tough to tell. I I, I wouldn't be surprised if either won the division, and then I wouldn't be surprised if either one of them made a run in the playoffs. Um, I think they're both good teams. I think that's how we have to kind of evaluate teams this year too i don't think you can definitively say like oh this is the best team in the american league or like they're not going to play each other and they're going to be playing different schedules and um it's such a short season that regression is only going to factor into the equation for some people and and now you've got extra rounds in the postseason so it's going to be even more potential randomness at play with that short series even shorter Ooh. series yeah so it's it's weird you know we talk a lot about the season with every game 
game carrying so much meaning and then they expanded the playoffs. And as I said, I think it was necessary just based on everything that's happening in this environment. It was needed. Um, and it, t- it, it just takes away some of the thrill of what the 60 games could have been if you were playing for the playoffs like you did, if this had been a typical setup. Now it's just more like, okay, well, are they good enough to be in one of the first two places in, in this division or one of the two next best teams? I would hope so. If something has gone drastically long, wrong, if that's the case. And then at that point, because of the extra round, I, I don't know how you evaluate you know, what was a successful season in, in this sort of situation. Well, when you've got a 72-year title drought and it might be your last year with your best player, championship or bust, right? Yeah, that's, that's the end goal. But, but again, it's, it's so tif- tough to evaluate. I know what successful looks like in a normal season, but it's like if a team that has a lot of expectations, like if the Dodgers don't win the World Series this year with the roster that they have, it's, it's a disappointment. But also it's kind of like, I mean, shit, what do you expect? There's a lot of zaniness going on right now. And I don't know what – I don't know how much you can blame a team if they just have a poor showing in a very quick series – to begin the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I was not being too serious. But I think there's going to be very little teams will want to carry from this to, to take away from this season and carry over to next year and to their evaluations this winter. Like, you can tell if, if certain players took a step forward um, or maybe even a step back, but I wouldn't penalize guys too much just because there was such a an abnormal ramp-up period and... and you know, but you can tell like young guys who certainly looked the part more than they did a year ago, like the Indians starting pitchers. Um, but you're right. Like from an evaluation standpoint, I don't think you can draw too many conclusions. And I think because of that, yeah, like if, if the Royals somehow finished 30 or even like 28 and 32 and sneak into the playoffs, like I don't think they're going to be like, all right, let's just empty the bank account and sign every free agent because we're ready to win the World Series next year. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, there's never been a season that's more about process over results, I think, than this one, as far as evaluation goes, because the results are going to be all over the map. It is going to be impossible to sift any truth out of just looking at the, the pure results. So this, this is a season where, I mean, now more than ever, looking under the hood is important, but, man, you're, you're evaluating starting pitchers on – the smallest of sample sizes with luck and sequencing just you have to throw that out the window at this point from an evaluation standpoint sure do you want to try to guess a random indian of the day i can try i cannot guarantee success yeah this is a tough one i think another pitcher who pitched for the indians in 2010 very memorable season that was Uh, Manny Acta's first year in Cleveland. A right-handed pitcher. Once a first-round draft pick by the Colorado Rockies in 1993. 93? Yeah. So when this gentleman pitched for the Indians, he was 35. Oh, boy. He made 18 appearances for the Indians that year. 
he also pitched for Seattle with the Indians. Just in that year? Yes. With the okay. Indians, a 548 ERA. Very impressive. Nine strikeouts in 21 innings. Uh, did he have a lengthy career? I don't know if he said. Yeah, he pitched for 10 different big league teams. Which is kind of amazing because he was... His numbers are not very good. <laughs> are you suggesting that when you're a first-round pick, you might get more opportunities than somebody else? In fact, he pitched in the majors for 19 years and, and did not have an ERA under four until year 12. And that was when oh. he, only made, he only made 20 appearances. And then he had a sub ERA again in year 16 as a reliever. And in, actually had a little three-year stretch where he had a sub four ERA at the very end of his career. But no team wanted him for more than a year at that point. Interesting. And you said he's a righty, right? Yes. <clears throat> yeah, anything else you can tell me? Here's who he pitched for. Rockies, Brewers, Royals, Dodgers, Rangers, Mariners, Rays, Giants, Cardinals, Indians. Was not necessarily in that order. Was it the other Wright that pitched for the Indians? Jamie Wright? Wow. Excellent. You got it. Yeah, the Indians released him that year in mid-June, and then he went to uh, Oakland and then Seattle. Um, He was not very good, but lasted a really long time. I got to pull up his... Nineteen uh, seasons, page. more than two thousand innings, a four eighty one career ERA, a four eighty seven FIP, five strikeouts you know, and four walks per nine when, innings. I mean, the, nothing you, here screams, "Hey, this guy should pitch for twenty years." Uh, when you've got a five forty ERA in Colorado, you think, oh, "Well, was it really that bad?" <laughs> he carried a ninety five ERA plus. I mean, it's only five percent worse than league average as far as run prevention goes. So Colorado will do that to you. Yeah, that is surprising that his career lasted that long, although uh, he should have just stuck to pitching in the American League because he was 7% better when he was in the uh, American League than league average. Not so much in the the National League. Should have stuck to the AL. So much more success. Yeah, it's interesting to see a guy basically suck for 15 years and then just rattle off three really good Years as a reliever. And then retire. Yeah. We should have done that sooner. But you can subscribe to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Stitcher, Spotify. If you want to help us rise up the ranks, you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to listen. It's good to be back doing this sort of on a regular basis now, talking about actual games, at least for as long as we possibly can. I will say, 
I think it's a little bit easier to, to have more of an optimistic view right now and just be uh, excited because we're what, witnessing actual baseball right now. Throughout the winter, I just feel like it's all negative and down and everything sucks. But now that I watch the week of baseball, it's like, huh, hey, Indians aren't bad. Might make some noise in the playoffs. Just going to sit back and enjoy this. Yeah, I mean, it got to a point. I know we kind of slowed down how often we were recording during the shutdown because it felt like there was absolutely nothing we could talk about other than, hey, when do you think baseball might start up, TJ? I don't know, Zach. What do you think? I don't know. All right. You can subscribe to the podcast via Stitcher. and Like, there was nothing to talk about. We do have something tangible, and it's just – it is. You're right. It's so refreshing just to see – Baseball. Um, it would be nice to see some games that had a, some back and forth in offense instead of all these games that are 0-0 or 2-2 going into the ninth inning and not much has happened. But beggars can't be choosers. We'll take what we can get. Yeah, it, could, it's a, it beats not knowing whether your team is going to survive an outbreak or not to be able yeah. to finish their season. So uh, take what you can get. Uh, appreciate everyone that listens every single week. Find us over at Anchor as well. For Zach Meisel, TJ Zuppi, where you can find us at Zach Meisel, at TJ Zuppi, and at Selby's Godcast on the Twitters. We are out of here. Be good, everybody. We'll see you.